Today's Bible reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. And I'm reading from the NIV today. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In Jesus' name, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful to us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. It's almost, it's just over 20 years ago now that um, I got the courage to ask Yvette if she would be my wife. But before I did that, I had to do the right thing, and so I had to ask her dad if it was okay for me to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. I was nervous. Now, I knew Yvette's parents really well, but, but I was nervous. I was scared. What if he said no? What, what, what if there was a, something else that I hadn't thought of? What, what if there was you know, a, a clause or, or something else that was going to... What, what if? What if? And I remember I was nervous about this. I was scared about this. Yvette and I knew that we wanted to get married. We'd had conversations, but there was an unknown portion in this, and, and I, was, I was afraid. And so that night, um, Yvette's dad knew that I was going to have a conversation with him and, and I, you know, we would talk about other things and talk about different things and I'd change the topic. And, and by the time I actually got the courage to, to ask him, he was, he was over it. He'd gone to bed. And so I asked for Yvette's uh, dad's permission to, to marry Yvette while he was in his pyjamas, lying in bed. <laughs> and I wonder, for all of us, where does courage come from? Where does courage come from? In the next couple of weeks, we're speaking about what it is to be courageous, especially in these times. But where does courage come from? The first thing that we need to understand is that for there to be courage, there's something before that, and that thing that comes before courage is fear. Before you can be courageous, before you can act in a way that would, would have courage at its very core, there's, there's a fear that is behind that. And today as we open up God's word, we're going to see what, what God has to say about how to be courageous and how to overcome fear. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we dive into Scripture and we see the stories of, of two followers of Christ, two people who dedicated themselves to, to serving you and how in doing that they overcome fear and they were so courageous in the way that they lived. I, I pray that as we read Scripture that you would speak to us so that we too can overcome the fears that we have and be courageous for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we, we have a character or a couple of characters that we're focusing on pretty clearly, pretty, pretty intensely. And to understand the backdrop to some of these characters, you've got to realize that they weren't always red-hot followers of Jesus. Actually, one of them was totally against what the church stood for, totally against what Christianity was. And so we see this guy called Saul. Now, Saul's story that was sort of introduced in the book of Acts, we see that the first time we see Saul mentioned, he's actually at the forefront of one of the followers of Jesus being executed. This guy who'd been a follower of Christ was sharing a message that sort of butted people up, made people feel pretty good about themselves, and at the very end told some truth and said, you know what's wrong with, with the, the church of today? And he goes, it's you, it's religion. It's how man-made things have messed up what God intended to be good and loving and holy. And maybe that's the same for some of us. Some of us, we, we love what God represents, we love the, his message for us, yet the, the man-made things, the religious elements have got us confused. And what we saw take place in the book of Acts was that, that those around were persecuting the Christians because Christians were speaking truth and trying to get rid of the man-made things, which sometimes we like the man-made things, but getting it back to the pure truth of love that comes from Jesus Christ. It wasn't very popular. And so this guy, Simon, was being executed, being stoned to death. And we see Saul is standing there with people were laying robes at his feet, which meant one of two things they believed. Number one, that he was there, that he was cheering people on. He was at the forefront. He was looking after people's coats. Another train of thinking was that he was actually the organiser for the event. And so we see this guy, Saul, he had a reputation as he, he grew up in persecuting Christians followers of Christ, of going and finding them and getting them locked up or getting them executed for what their faith was. Then all of a sudden, he's walking from one city to the next with the intention of persecuting, you know, putting more Christians in prison and trying to shut down this movement of love. And all of a sudden, this beaming light comes down upon him. And he can't see, and he's got friends with him, he's, got, he's traveling with two others, and, and he hears this voice, and at this point we, we know in history that Jesus had died, which was a fact, and that he rose again, once again that is fact, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks at Easter time, the evidence for the resurrection. So we know these things took place, and all of a sudden this blinding light came down, and, and Saul can't see, and he hears this voice, says, why are you hurting my people? Why are you, the word is persecuting me and my followers? Why, why are you persecuting Christians? And he goes, who is this? And he goes, it's me, Jesus. And, and in that moment, Saul couldn't see, he was blind. And Jesus said, I want you to go to the next town, find a man. And, and when you find this man, 
He, he will give you instructions, and if you follow those instructions, you'll be able to see again. And so what took place is, is this guy, Saul, followed the directions of Jesus. Jesus miraculously healed his blindness, and in that moment, he realized that what he thought was purely man-made was actually God-ordained. He had a one-on-one revelation with the living God, and his life was transformed forever. And from the very moment that he sought out the person that Jesus said to sort out so that he could get his sight back, he started to follow the instructions that came through his faith with the living God. And because of that, he had purpose. He had purpose. And the first thing when it comes to being courageous, the very first thing that we need to understand that that comes from overcoming fear is we have to have purpose. From that very moment that the total revelation of turnaround in this guy's life, he went from a guy called Saul, they changed his name to a guy called Paul. And Paul who then went from persecuting the church to planting churches, to spreading the good news. Not because of his incredible intellect, not because of his man-made things, but because of his one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. And it gave him purpose. And so we see this purpose lived out. We see that he's gone to a town, and in this town he's found a a young girl who's possessed, but she's also a slave. And she starts following around, and she's, she's getting in their way. They're trying to say, hey, do you know what? Jesus came to die and rose again so, so you can restore your relationship with God. And they're trying to share this message, but the whole time there's this girl following around going, these guys are trying to save you all. These guys are trying to save you all. You see, even in the story, there's two sides to this world. There's good and there's evil. Even evil cries out in submission to God. Even the the spirits that aren't of God are crying out, knowing who God is, submitting to his authority and his power. And they're crying out, and they're getting in their way, and and almost out of frustration. The the tone of it's not a a loving encounter. It's out of frustration. He goes, seriously, get out. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the spirit. The spirit leaves. Because of that, the owners of this, this slave unable to make profit from her, her gift that came from that spirit. And now they're angry. They've lost money. They've lost their finances. And so they've got the crowd revved up in verse 22 of Acts chapter 16. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrate ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into a prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So first, what do we see? We see that that they have purpose, and they're following God's plan for their life. But in the midst of that, They've come into to somebody's lied about what they were doing. They're saying that, that they're doing the wrong thing and they're, they're against Rome, which they weren't. They were just telling truth. And then they get, get the whole crowd against them and the magistrate gets them flogged and beaten because they, they, they didn't take do a proper court case and work out who they were or what they were doing. And now they've been thrown in the innermost cell. There's two things about the innermost cell. The first is that the innermost cell is the safest 
cell to put a maximum security prisoner because there's more walls to get through to get out. But also in those customs, often the innermost cell was also the torture chamber. And so here they are in chains, chained up, bound in their feet, with, with chains that stop them from moving. They're, they're severely flogged and beaten by the professionals in the jailer. And in that moment, how would you feel? Chained up, persecuted, hurting, bleeding, bruised. You see, sometimes when purpose outweighs your fear or purpose outweighs your pain, you're able to push forwards. If your purpose is great enough, then you're able to withstand the things of this world. Now, the purpose for me proposing to a vet meant that, that I loved her more than my fear of confronting her dad in pyjamas in bed. And so I was able to overcome that fear because the purpose was greater. Paul and his friend Silas, it says in Scripture this, and they were put in stocks in the innermost cell. The very next verse, in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? In, in the midst of being beaten and bruised and hurt and suffering, they're still singing praises to God. In, in the midst of the pain and, and the, 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 the circumstances which have bound them up, tried to confine them, they've still found a way to submit to the purpose that God has in their life, so much so that they are nearly ministering to the other prisoners around them. You see, when your purpose is big enough, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are because you can praise in the midst of your persecution. You can praise in the midst of what the world is doing to you. You can praise in the midst because your purpose is greater than the powers of this world. And we see that he's ministering to those around him. Suddenly, verse 26, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now the other prisoners didn't have the same purpose. So if you were about to be executed, if you were about to be flogged, if you were about to be hurt, what would you do if your chains fell off? They ran, they bolted, they are out of there. And what would take place then is we, we see that, that as the doors flew open, that the jailer woke up, verse 27, and he saw the prisoner doors that were open and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. You see, the, the punishment in those days was that if, as a Roman guard, as, as a Roman officer, if a prisoner escaped, their life would be substituted with yours. So you would die because you have failed Rome. And so the jailer is about to kill himself because that's a much quicker execution than the execution that would have taken place from Rome for his failure because the prisoners had escaped. But once again, purpose raises its head. In verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are here. Don't harm yourself, we are here. 
Picture this. This is the same jailer that had just put them in chains. This is the same jailer that, that put them into the torture chamber. This is the same jailer that, that had been beating and flogging them. This is the same jailer that had been hurting them physically. This is the same jailer that Paul and Silas are now yelling out, Stop, we're here. We haven't run. The, the jailer goes, like, I need some lights. And he runs up to them and goes, what? Why? Why do you have this purpose? Why do you live this way? What is this about you? How, how can I be like you? How can I be saved? Paul and Silas then go to his house and lead not only him with the good news of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but also his entire family. And every single one of them on that night were baptized. You see, first, if we have purpose in life, no matter the circumstances, we can praise God. And then on top of that, when we praise God, there is incredible power in the way that we live a life of praise and worship. There's incredible power that draws people to God in us. And in this midst of persecution, we see people are drawn Drawn to Paul and Silas, not because of their actions, because of Christ in them. And the jailer says, what can I do to be like you? What can I do to be saved? Him and his family believe and are baptized that night. The power that comes. And, and in this story, the power is not that the jail, the jail cells were open. The power is not that the chains fell off. The power is not in the earthquake. The power is in that the entire family's lives were saved for an eternity. That's the power. It's not the physical, it's the spiritual. What do we see take place next? In Acts chapter 16, verse 40, we see that Paul and Silas have been set free. They've been set free from the jail. They've been set free from their circumstances. There's a bit of justice before that. And if you've got the, the study notes, it speaks a little bit about how they, they are God's always for justice. And in the midst of that, those that had beaten them didn't realize that they were Roman citizens, which was against the law. And they did a turntail and essentially shamed the judge and the magistrate and those in the, the legal system of the day, had them walk them out. And after Paul and Silas came out of prison, verse 40, they went to Lydia's house, who's mentioned earlier in, in Acts. And when they went to meet with their brothers and sisters, they encouraged them, and then they left. Like, what? Surely you'd be like, oh, I'm so happy that's over. I'm so happy that that ordeal's there. Oh, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to get some me time. I'm going to center myself. I, I just need, oh, I need to recover. That was tough. That was shocking. I need to, I need to stop now. That's not what purpose looks like. Purpose doesn't give up. Purpose doesn't take a holiday. Purpose doesn't stop. You see, in the midst of their purpose, they praised. Through the praise came power. And then after that, they just persevered. They had perseverance. They just kept going. So much so that now they're in a space. They're in this incredible space where they're encouraging others. Here they are, still beaten, still bruised, still battered, and they're encouraging others. They're still praising. They still have their purpose. And the power of that moment means if we kept reading on into chapter 17, they go on to Thessalonica. They're still 
acting within their purpose. I want to say, church, that in the midst of what our world is, is how it's changing and, and the way people are acting, I want to challenge us. Where is your purpose? Where is your purpose? Do you have a purpose that is found in the call that Jesus has placed on your life? Because if you find purpose in that, you'll be able to praise him no matter what this week looks like. You'll be able to find power in how he's called us to live. And in that, if we persevere, we know that we're not persevering under our own strength. We're persevering because of the the purpose that Christ has placed in our lives. This week, in the way that we live, in the way that we encounter others, in the way that we live with our families in isolation, the way that we interact with those that we come in contact with, I want you to know that no matter what happens over the next weeks and months, that the purpose of the church has not changed. The purpose that God has placed us here for has not changed. We believe that we exist to lead people to Jesus Christ and disciple them so that they are empowered to do the same. That has not changed at all. We're a church that values family. We value community. And we want to reach communities that are beyond our own. That has not changed. The the core value, we are anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. The purpose of God's church has not changed. And because of that, we still choose to worship. We still choose to pray. In that, we get to see the incredible power that God is doing in and through His church. So much so that we are seeing people who are being reached by the message of Jesus Christ all over the country and all over the world because of what's taking place, not only here in York Street, but because of God's church across the globe. We're seeing opportunities for people to show love and care, always coming back to the purpose of leading them to a relationship with Christ in this time of hardship. Our purpose has not changed. As individuals, what is God's purpose for you? What is God's purpose? Are you able to praise? In doing that, do you experience the power and just persevere? We live in a time where there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. To be courageous, it comes from our purpose. And what greater purpose do we have than the plan that the creator of the universe has for us? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you that you love us so much, so dearly. We thank you that in the midst of the current climate in which we live, that we are able to come before you knowing that because of the sacrifice that your son made on the cross, that we worship a living God the power that comes from the spiritual realm, knowing that you are not dead, you are alive. Lord, that we know that we have purpose because you have called us by name, that you know the hairs on our heads, that you knitted us together in our mother's womb before we were born. You knew who we were. And you have a plan for us. We thank you for that purpose. Lord, in the way that we act within our homes, the way that we act within our families, within our community, we pray that each and every interaction with others that we have would be an act of praise. 
that the way that we communicate in the anxiety and the fear would be courageous enough to put you at the very center of every conversation. Lord, we pray that in and through that we would see your power move. Lord, we need your power within our country. We need your power within our homes. We need your power within our communities. Knowing that it's not always about the power of the physical, but the power of the spiritual. And Lord, as your church, we choose to lean into you. We will persevere. We will not grow tired because we are not doing it under our own strength, because our purpose is found in you. So God, we choose to be courageous. We choose to be courageous in the fear. We choose to press on because you have called us by name and you are bigger than this. May we live a life of purpose this week and show the world what courage looks like in the midst of fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.